All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm cranking out these podcasts today. I'm knocking them out one by one, just like people are getting illuminated on the show one by one. So the next uh, series will be The Ultimate Fighter, Season 1, Episode 4. So on the last on the last podcast, uh, you know, Loden Sincade got knocked out by Bobby Southworth. Bobby Southworth is with Team Liddell. He's a light heavyweight fighter. Uh, he knocked out Loden Sincade, who's a light heavyweight fighter for Team Couture. So a lot of the fighters, so let's do a recap real quick. A lot of the fighters recap on the fight from the last episode. Um, and a lot of fighters thought Bobby was going to lose to Loden because he cut so much weight. So yeah, it, it was a little bit shocking. We didn't know who was going to win, who was going to lose. Like I said, on the show, they don't really show a lot of the, um, they don't really show a lot of the training of the fighters. They don't really show what they go through and things like that. So we don't really know what they're going through. And uh, we, don't, I mean, we don't know their fighting abilities as well because we don't see how, they, how they're training and things like that. They, they leave the, the audience to guess what's going to happen next. So we didn't really know who's going to win. Um, you know, a lot of fighters thought that, you know, Bobby Southworth was going to lose because he had to cut 20 pounds for his fight. We didn't know if he was going to be successful or not. Uh, you know, he, he complained a lot when he was cutting weight. Uh, when you cut weight, it takes a lot of, it takes a tremendous toll on your body. And it can affect your performance. You know, Loden Sincade, on the other hand, he didn't really have to cut any weight. So it, it was different. It was, it was hard to tell what was going to happen. Um, so Nathan explains Loden followed the game plan in the first round, which was to get in on the clinch. Uh, Bobby explains that one of the punches Loden threw from the clinch landed and he saw a white light and felt like he may have went out for a few seconds. So that, that's another other thing that's really interesting about watching these fights is that a lot of times these fighters get hit with punches and we, we can't tell specifically what punches, you know, inflict the most damage on the opponents. We can only guess because, you know, sometimes we can see a knockout punch or sometimes we can see a powerful punch that lands. But a lot of times it, it's, it's a shot that you wouldn't guess that actually hurts the opponent. Sometimes it's a little punch that just grazes their head. You know, the body is a very interesting thing. Um, it, it's very hard to tell what's going to land sometimes. Uh, Forrest Griffin says Bobby is the best 205 pounder there. And Lieben says Loden gave Bobby too much respect in the cage. I think he means striking wise because he was scared to engage in the striking. You know, I really think that Loden was scared to engage in boxing. You know, honestly, it takes it takes a tremendous amount of time to develop the confidence to really stay in the pocket with somebody and, and box with somebody. You know, even watching this show, you can see some of the fighters they, they start flinching when they're boxing, uh, they turn their head away, you know, they look away when they're punching and things like that. Th those are kind of amateur mistakes. It takes a long time to really want to engage in, in punching somebody in the face, closed in in the pocket like that. And a lot of times they're fearful of that. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, it's kind of a traumatic experience. You sit there right in the pack, right in the pocket with somebody, you stand toe to toe, you punch them in the face, they punch you in the face, you try to dodge their punches, you throw a combination of punches, they throw a combination of punches. Like it's it really takes, you know, at least a solid six months to really become a good boxer or really get comfortable getting punched in the face, in my opinion. So I really think that Loden was kind of scared to stay in the pocket. Uh, he probably had more grappling experience than he really did have, you know, boxing experience and things like that. So his his goal was to you know get him in the clinch. Um, you know this uh, what was it? I think Forrest Griffin was saying that he gave him too much respect. I don't think it was a respect thing. I think it was a fear thing. I think he was scared to box with Bobby Southworth. And also Bobby Southworth is a very muscular guy, and he looks like he has a lot of knockout power. So Forrest Griffin says that Bobby is the best two hundred five pounder there. And Lieben says Loden gave uh, Bobby too much respect in the cage. So actually, it was Lieben that said that. It wasn't. It wasn't Forrest Griffin. That, that's my correction. 
Uh, I think he means striking-wise. Uh, he was scared to engage in striking. Uh, Mike Swick says he gave too much distance, played the one-two game, and got caught. Uh, Lieben, being the trash talker that he is, says Bobby made a cowardly move by picking the weakest link on their on their uh, team to fight. So, I, I mean, you could say it's it's a it's a cowardly move. I don't really think it's a cowardly move. I think it was a calculated move. Uh, he cut a lot of weight. He had to cut 25 pounds and make this fight. Um, you know, I, I think it was an intelligent decision. When you're cutting that much weight, you're, you're struggling that hard to make weight like that. It's your first couple weeks on the show. Um, you, you want an easy fight, you know what I mean? You know, maybe for his next fight, he'll, he'll make weight a lot easier. You know, he said he came in onto the show being out of shape. So I, I think it was a very intelligent decision. And, and that's kind of the strategy that they implement on both teams is to pick the weak links, take out the weak links first so you don't take as much damage. You save your energy to fight the more competitive, the more uh, basically the harder competition on the show later on. So I, I think it was a very smart decision. You know, I think Lieben is just very invested in Team Couture, and that's just his competitive edge. And, and Lieben's just going to say whatever, you know what I mean? Lieben's going to commentate about whatever on the show. So, you know, you have to take everything Lieben says with a grain of salt. He's quite a character. Uh, that is what he was supposed to do, though. Um, the goal is to stay on the show as long as possible. That's another thing I mentioned earlier, but I'll mention it again. Bobby is a huge light heavyweight. It was much bigger than Loden. Uh, Team Couture is in low spirits because they have lost three fighters in a row. So that's another thing I want to mention too. Bobby Southworth was a, is a huge light heavyweight. You know that's why he had to cut so much weight. So he was definitely a little bit bigger than Loden. But at the end of the day, they all signed up to be there. They, they're familiar with the weight classes, so I don't want to make any excuses for any of the fighters. Uh, Stefan is so upset. He is literally in tears. So that, that was kind of funny to me too. Stefan's literally crying. I mean, my thing is they've only been on the show for about two weeks so far. I, I could understand getting emotional, you know, maybe one month into the show, two months into the show, but good God, they've only been on the show for like two weeks. Like, you know what I mean? So for him to be crying over this guy, leaving his team, I think it's just ridiculous. You know, that, that was, that was kind of hilarious to me. And Stefan Bonner, his nickname is, is the psycho. So that, that's kind of some psycho stuff right there to cry over your teammate, getting kicked off the show and you've only known this guy for two weeks i thought that was pretty tacky i think this is absolutely hilarious they've only been training together for two weeks hopefully this is Stefan just showing his competitive nature uh you know when i was on the football team in high school a lot of the guys would cry after the football games and me personally i, I was never somebody who's gonna cry over over a football game or something like that maybe i'm just not that competitive or something but i'm not gonna cry over that especially if i did what i was supposed to do on the field there's no point of crying. Like, good God, it's a football game. You know what I mean? But maybe that's maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it's a, it's a sign of being competitive. But I'm just not going to sit there and cry over losing a football game. But I, I watched guys do that in high school. Maybe if we lost a championship, I could see that. Or if we lost the playoffs or something like that. But if you lose, like, a, a regular game, I'm not going to sit there and cry. Some of these guys would literally just burst out crying. And I will just be like, give me a break. You know what I mean? Are we, are we, are we females or are we are males over here? You know what I mean? No, like I was just saying earlier, you know, some people are just more emotional than others. Now I see why Stefan's nickname is the Psycho. They're only they've only been training together for two weeks. I can see they've been you know living together for a few more months or something. Uh, Mike thinks this is because he wanted to fight and feels bad. Bobby picked Loden, so maybe that's why you know Stefan was crying. Maybe because he actually wanted to fight uh, Bobby Southworth and instead he picked Loden, so he felt bad because for that. But I don't know, just just watching grown men cry over something like that. It's, it's just silly. And, and I understand that men are emotional too. And I understand that we bottle up our emotions more than females and things like that. But I mean, good God, it's only been two weeks on the show. There shouldn't be any, any tears for something like that. That's, that's a little ridiculous to me. Uh, Chuck's team celebrates and picks fun at Randy's team for losing three fighters in a row. 
Uh, Dana tells Chuck he has to send over a light heavyweight fighter to Randy's team because Chuck has four heavyweights and Randy only has two. Um, so that's another thing that's really kind of silly about the show. There's no benefit to your team winning. You know what I mean? That, that's what I was, you know, saying earlier on the earlier episodes. There's no benefit to your team winning. I mean, they won the competition and now they have to forfeit one of their fighters to give up to Randy Couture's team. So, so what's the purpose of winning, you know, the competition? What's the purpose of your team even winning to advance? It's like there needs to be better, you know, rewards, in my opinion. There needs to be better prizes for actually winning the competition. They, they, if, if it's going to be a team a team competition of, of, on the show, there needs to be a, a team reward. You know what I mean? Because this is not benefiting, you know, Liddell's team at all. Like there, there's no benefit to winning the competition on a team level, if you see what I'm saying. It, 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 they could make it a lot more exciting if they had prizes or things like that. Or, you know, I understand that they give them a, a cash reward if they knock out the opponent or TKO the opponent or stop the fight or whatever. But, I mean, there should still be more of a, re a reward, you know what I mean, on, on a team level, in my opinion, to make it more. If it's going to be a team show, you know, have team rewards, you know what I mean? You know, of course, Chuck is pissed about this. I also think it is absolutely hilarious that Randy's team has lost three challenges in a row. It makes Randy look like a total loser when he actually is a champion in real life. But it's not his fault. It's out of his control. So it's it's kind of funny because his team has lost three three fighters in a row. It makes him look like a total loser. But really, you know, this is out of Randy Couture's control. He, has, he doesn't have control over who wins the fights and who loses the fights. But it's just funny to watch. Uh, Mike Swick and Bobby have an argument about leaving the lights on in the house. And Forrest Griffin says the house is much more divided now by teams because they train separately. So, yeah, th this is the turning point in, in, on the show. This is where things start to get a lot more competitive. This is where things start to get a lot more personal between the two teams. This is where the show gets kind of juicy. This is where the show gets kind of exciting. This is where the teams really, you know, divide themselves by teams. And uh, you're going to see much more of a rivalry in the house between the two teams. now. So this is this is where it starts to get exciting on the show. Uh, each team occupies a different part of the house now. This kind of like prison, you know what I mean? Like in prison, they'll have you know one one race of people or, or one gang. They'll they'll occupy one one area of the workout equipment or something like that, or one part of the rec yard or something like that. And the other gang or the other race will be on the other side of the rec yard. So it's they're starting to develop that that pack mentality. You know what I mean? They're starting to really click up now. Uh, Nathan makes fun of Bobby and says he doesn't respect him for fighting someone thirty pounds lighter than him and calling out the weakest link. So, yeah, so now both teams are kind of, you know, trading shots at each other. You got Levin, you know, saying Bobby Southworth picked out the the, the weakest link. Uh, you got, um, you know, Nathan saying the same thing. Uh, you know, you got Stefan Bonner literally in tears crying over his teammate getting eliminated. So now, now it's starting to get a little bit more personal. You know what I mean? And I, I wouldn't think that this, this would develop so quickly now because they've only been on the show for two weeks. But who knows? You know, I'm not on the show. I'm not a fighter on the show. Maybe these guys are really starting to bond together after two weeks. Maybe that's all it takes is two weeks for them to really start bonding. You know what I mean? I mean, they are training eight hours, eight hours together. You know what I mean? So eight hours a day together, they are training together. So who knows? Maybe they are really starting to bond together. You know what I mean? But I just think there's a lot of emotions going through everybody's head. You know, they're on TV. They're away from their families. They have opportunity of a lifetime. There's probably a lot of, you know, emotions running through everybody's head right now. You know, also, too, a lot of the stuff you have to remember, too, a lot of the stuff could be for the cameras. You know, they talk a lot of trash. They got to make the show juicy. You know what I mean? This is a reality TV show, and this is the entertainment business. It's not just the fight business. This is very much so the entertainment business. You have to sell the fights, too. So a lot of the, thing, a lot of the things they say on the show are just for the cameras, too. You have to remember. 
Uh, Chuck has to decide which le- which light heavyweight fighter he will send over to Team Couture. Uh, Chuck s- sends over Alex. Uh, Chuck tells Alex uh, Randy can help him with his wrestling. Uh, Kenny says that he believes Chuck made the right decision sending him over there. He says Alex is not a well-rounded fighter. Uh, Alex looks as if uh, it's an opportunity to work with both fighters, to work with two elite-level fighters, both Chuck and Randy. Uh, so we don't really know too much about Alex yet. So cer- certain characters on the show develop more than others. I mean, obviously, right now, the main character on the show is definitely Chris Lieben. He's got the most camera time. He's the one that's been acting a fool on the show. But a lot of the characters still haven't developed. It's only been two weeks on the show. We don't really know too much about Alex. You know, it's not like he's just a weirdo. It's just there's a lot of characters. There's a lot of fighters on the show who haven't really had the camera in front of their face as much as, you know, Chris Lieben or um, Bobby Southworth. Yeah, you know, so I would say Bobby, Bobby Southworth and Chris Levin are the ones who've gotten the most camera time. So we've really watched their personalities develop the most, but not so much everybody else yet. So we're going to see how these other characters develop, and we're going to see you know, how their personalities play out. Uh, Alex says Team Couture does more cardio and wrestling techniques. Uh, Alex says he will work on his takedowns. Uh, Nathan says Alex never felt at home with the blue team, or that's what they feel. So they just try to welcome him. Um... Yeah, so I mean they've been on the show for two weeks. You know, some guys are really taking it personally. I mean, you literally have Stefan Bonner crying like a baby. Uh, you know, you have you know Chris Levin sending his shots at Bobby Southworth. You have Nathan throwing his shots at Bobby Southworth, and then you have fighters like Alex who you know they don't really feel at home with their team. So you know it's it's a little bit of both. You know what I mean? Uh, for their next challenge, the loser of the challenge will have to pick their opponent to face. So people are intentionally trying to lose the challenge to get the best matchup. So the loser of the challenge will have to pick their opponent to face. So a lot of these guys that want to fight, they're like, all right, screw it. We're going to lose this team challenge so that we can pick the opponent to face. So that, that's what I mean. A lot of these team challenges, they, they really serve no purpose. There's really no benefit to you – know, sometimes there's a benefit to winning the team challenge. But a lot of times there is no benefit because at the end of the day, these guys are all training to fight. They're not really scared to fight anybody. Um the only situation where I could see it's a benefit, you know, if you win the team challenge and get, you get to pick who's going to fight is if you know the other teammate is injured. Like if you know, oh, this guy has a, you know, sprained ankle or something, I'm going to pick him to fight next or something like that. And then, you you know, you, you call out a guy who has a sprained ankle and then, you you know, you beat him in the ring or something like that. But for the most part, all these guys are ready to fight. There's, that's what I mean. There's, there's no real benefit to winning these team challenges. And even if you win the team challenge, your team can still lose in the fight when they when they make the fight. So... It's like there's just real no benefit to these team challenges. And a lot of these team challenges are kind of dangerous. And they're things like, you know, sawing a piece of wood at, wood apart and things like that. And uh, it's just like things that could get them injured off of the training. So it's just it, it's kind of ridiculous to me. I think there needs to be a bigger reward for winning these team challenges and, and winning these fights. Really, they, if it's going to be a team thing, they need to make it a, a team reward. You know what I mean? And it's kind of difficult in, in, in its own sense because fighting is an individual sport. Fighting is a one-on-one sport. So they're trying to make it a team aspect, but really fighting is always going to be a one-on-one thing. So it, it's kind of weird how they made it into teams, but I, I respect them for their creativity. And hopefully, you know, the, the, the seasons will get a little bit better as the show goes, goes on. Hopefully they'll have better rewards. Hopefully it'll be a little bit more organized. This is just the first season. Uh, they're doing the best that they can. And the show is still very interesting so far, even though I have a lot of criticisms of the show. Uh, even though I criticize every little thing on the show, I still very much enjoy the show, particularly this first season. This first season had some really cool characters. So, you know, you, you'll see as time goes. This is a great show. 
Uh, Lieben taunts Koscheck and says he can beat him. Uh, Koscheck is an all-American wrestler, and Lieben is the striker. Lieben says he will call out Koscheck because he is the most skilled. I commend Lieben for this. I commend Lieben for his competitive drive. This challenge is for the middleweights. It is called the, the middleweight challenge. They have to throw medicine ball. Uh, excuse me. It's called the medicine ball challenge. They have to throw the medicine ball at all the other UFC boards. Uh, let me see how I wrote this up. My apologies. So I guess they're throwing a medicine ball at a bunch of UFC boards. I guess they're, they're boards that are just labeled UFC. And they have to throw these medicine ball at these wooden boards. Uh, after hitting each wooden target, they must take the medicine ball back to the starting line before throwing the medicine ball at another target. After they finish the obstacle, they must crawl through another obstacle, pushing the medicine ball through. Only four middleweights will compete in this obstacle today, two from each team. Uh, the, the, the winning team will choose each middleweight from each team to compete. The blue team chooses Josh and Diego and uh, Couture's team chooses uh, Alex and Nate to compete. The blue team wins the challenge. Uh, Josh finishing first, followed by Diego. Uh, Forrest Griffin says he thinks Levin is trying to protect the weakest teammate, Alex, for com from competing. Uh, Josh doesn't like Levin either and would love to fight him. So my apologies. Sometimes it's, it's very difficult to describe these team challenges. I guess basically they're, they're throwing a medicine ball at a, at a wooden target. And the team who wins the challenge first, you know, gets to pick who fights who. And, um, you know, you see the rivalry is starting to brew now. Obviously, Josh Koscheck and Chris Lieben do not like each other. They're on opposite teams. They talk trash to each other. You know, Chris Lieben being very competitive, he wants to fight him. Uh, there's a lot of rivalry brewing here. And um, you, you're starting to see the intensity pick up here. Uh, team Liddell is debating between Koscheck fighting Lieben or Diego uh, fighting Alex. Uh, Diego decides to fight Alex. Uh, Koscheck stands up and says he wants Lieben next aggressively. So it's kind of silly, right? So they're, they're basically they're, they're after after they win the team challenge. Team Liddell, you know, gets to pick who's going to fight next, and uh, they're debating. And, and you know, they want everybody thinks Koscheck is going to fight Lieben next. They're, they're starting to build the anticipation for that fight because they're talking trash to each other, and everybody wants to see that fight. So instead, uh, you know. Alex decides to fight, uh, you know, uh, Diego Sanchez, I guess. And, uh, you know, Koscheck stands up and says, well, I'm not ducking you, Lieben. I'm, I'm going to fight you next. You know what I mean? And it is, it's kind of tacky, but it was still kind of funny. And you can feel the tension in the air between the two teams. Now, the, like I said, the rivalry is really starting to pick up now, which is cool. Uh, the winner of this contest wins $5,000. So now it doesn't even matter if, if somebody gets, you know, knocked out or whatever. Whoever wins the fight gets five thousand dollars. So now they're 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 upping the stakes too. So now now the show is starting to get into a rhythm. You know what I mean? They're fighting every week. The 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 rivalry is starting to increase. Now now the show is in a good flow. You know what I mean? Every week they're fighting. Every week there's team challenges. Now you're starting to see the flow of the show. Now now you're starting to see how it goes. Uh, Levin thinks that Josh is too scared to fight him. That's why he didn't fight him instead of Diego versus Alex. Uh, Alex says he is he has the least experience of anybody on the team. And knew he was going to be chosen to fight. Uh, next, Diego said he grew up in a rough neighborhood. Diego also says he has a girlfriend five months pregnant. So the $5,000 bonus will be great. Uh, Alex says he grew up fighting. Dana says Diego has great grappling, great ground and pound, but terrible stand-up. And Alex is a great striker. Uh, Diego talks about how he has a problem with his hips. And when he kicks, it starts to hurt his hip really bad. Um... 
He has, he says he had the money, for, he has no money or insurance for an MRI to see what's wrong. So hopefully on the show, he'll get some help for his hip. He'll figure out what's wrong at the very least. Um, Diego Sanchez is kind of an interesting character on the show. Uh, he's, he kind of has that, that, that Zen, that meditatingness about him. Um, you know, early on the very first episode, I don't know if you guys remember, but everybody was drinking in the house on the first day. Everybody was getting drunk and, you know, Diego Sanchez was literally in the other room. You know, he was, you know, meditating crisscross applesauce and, uh, you know, he, he wasn't involved in any of the drinking. So I respect him for his discipline. He's a little bit different. He kind of has that, uh, that meditating spirit to him. I don't, I don't know exactly what the word is that Zen kind of that Tai Chi type thing going on, that spirituality uh, sense to him. So he's a little bit different. So I, I kind of like Diego Sanchez. He's pretty cool. You know, I, I can relate to this. You know, I, I used to have extreme pain in my, in my hip. That's the other thing I wanted to mention too. I used to have horrible pain in my hip. So I understand what Diego Sanchez is going through. I had horrible pain in my hip area as well. My SI joint, it's the joint that connects my hip to my leg. It's cracked actually on my left side. And, uh, you know, one of my legs is slightly longer than the other leg. So like I said, I, I had major, major physical pain in my hips growing up. Um, it was horrible. It ruined a lot of my life, to be honest with you. Um, I had major pain growing up in that area. Uh, Randy has Alex work on sprawling to avoid the takedown. So Alex seems like he doesn't have a lot of grappling technique. So obviously Diego Sanchez is going to look for the takedown and Alex is going to look to knock out Diego Sanchez. Uh, Alex says he has a wrestling background as well. And, you know, Alex is another character that hasn't developed on the show. But, but to be fair, I think I already said this, but I'll just say it one more time. None of these characters have really been developed on the show yet, other than maybe Chris Lieben and Bobby Southworth and maybe a little bit of Josh Koscheck. But everybody still, you know, everybody kind of gets equal camera camera coverage on the show, except for maybe Chris Lieben. So all of these characters, their their personalities haven't really developed yet. You know what I mean? Towards the end of the show, you'll start seeing more, you know, some more drama and more more of the characters develop on the show. You'll get to see more of their personalities. But but as of right now, we haven't seen too much from Alex or Diego, to be fair. You know, a little bit of Diego, but not a lot. Uh, Alex says he has a wrestling background as well. Uh, Diego's going to the doctor today to find out about his hip. The doctor tells him he has a labrum tear. And I also had a labrum tear, too, but not, not in my hip. I had a labrum tear in my shoulder. Actually, right now, as I'm doing this podcast, I'm actually in a lot of pain in my right shoulder. Um, I'm going to have to see a, a physical therapist pretty soon. I already had surgery on my shoulder. And uh, it was it was a horrible experience in my life. So, you know, I, I understand a lot about injuries. I understand the pain that these guys go through. That's one thing I'm very familiar with, unfortunately, is, is physical pain. Um, he says he can have surgery if he wants to. And I'm almost 100 percent sure the UFC is going to cover his medical expenses. Like they don't they don't come out and say that outright. Like, oh, we cover their medical expenses. But my guess is that they, they cover all their medical expenses on the show. Like I, I just have a feeling in my heart like now. I know for a fact all the UFC fighters, their medical expenses are covered. But, um, you know, I'm just not really sure at this point. But I, my guess is they, they definitely do. Because if they're going to provide housing for these guys, food for these guys, you know, they're going to have the best medical care on the show. You know, there's doctors on the scene, um, things like that. There's $5,000 bonus rewards for winning fights. Uh, you know, all these all these benefits they get on the show. My guess is that they're going to get medical co medical coverage as well. Uh, middleweights have to be over 170 pounds, but no bigger than 185 pounds. Diego Sanchez walks into the cage at 23 years old with an impressive 12-0 record at, at 5'11", weighing 183 pounds from Albuquerque, New Mexico. Alex Car Caralexis walks into the octagon at 28 years old 
with a 4-0 record at 5'8", 185 pounds from Boston, Massachusetts. Alex has a thick Boston accent as well. Alex throws a quick... Okay, so I guess the one thing I got to do in these podcasts, I got to put in a transition before they start fighting. So they walk into the octagon, they do their, their introductions, they show all the stats, their weights, their height, you know, their MMA record, where they're fighting from. And then the bell, I guess the, the, the first round starts. So the round starts off, Alex throws a quick left and right hook, and Diego immediately goes for the takedown and takes Alex to his back. Diego throws a few body shots, attempts to pass his open guard, he throws a few more body shots, and Alex has him in half guard. Diego stands up and slams him a few inches off the ground as an attempt to break his half guard. Uh, Diego throws a few more body shots and attempts to pass his guard. Uh, credit to Alex, he has a strong half guard. Uh, Diego drops another elbow and a few more. Uh, Diego passes his guard and mounts him and lands a few shots. Uh, Alex turns his back, and Diego lands a punch. Alex tries to stand up, but Diego has his hooks in. Uh, Diego flattens him out and lands another punch and another and another. Uh, Alex desperately tries to get up to his feet and uh, Diego continues to land punches and pulls him back to to the mat. Uh, Diego secures the rear naked choke. And, uh, you know, Alex taps out as soon as he gets the rear naked choke in. Uh, Team Couture just can't catch a break, so now they've lost what, I think four four fighters in a row on this show. Um, you know, Diego followed the game plan. He took him down, which is what Liddell told him to do. Uh, Randy breaks down how Alex is lacking skill on the ground. So th- this is another part of the sport where the sport is just starting to develop. You know, this is literally the first season of The Ultimate Fighter. This is before the UFC really got its big push to be as big as it is today. Um, you know, this, this is a point where they're trying to save the sport. This is a time in America where, not even just in America, around the world where MMA wasn't nearly as recognized as it was like soccer or football or basketball or things like that. And to be fair, it's it's still not quite on the same playing field, even though, you know, the UFC is on ESPN now, even though the uh, UFC is an international organization, even though they have they had sponsors like Nike and Reebok and things like that, they're still not quite on the level. As, uh, they're definitely not on the same level as boxing as far as pay or, as, you know, they're still not quite on the same level as the NFL or, or you know, soccer or Major League Baseball. But... Now they're at a point where they're really starting to get competitive with um, these other sports, especially because they were the they were the only sport that was open during uh, COVID and things like that. So right now the UFC is starting to get a big advantage in uh, you know the sports world because they they stayed active during COVID while a lot of these other sports shut down during COVID, and um, you know they still haven't got the same pay as like boxers or things like that or basketball players. That so that, that's the last part of um, you know the transition of the sport to being competitive with all these other you know professional sports is they still haven't received the same pay as these other you know major sports so they're almost there but they're not quite there so but but getting back to what I was saying is um they had a lot of guys on the show that that really didn't have the the skill level to be on the show yet you know what I mean because this isn't like the cream of the crop this isn't a time where everybody was pursuing the career of being an MMA fighter this is a time where the show was just starting to expand The, the you know the USC company was just starting to expand um, there really wasn't a huge benefit to being an MMA fighter. You know, you can't really make a lot of money being an MMA fighter. So this is kind of the evolution of the sport. So I'm, I'm going to give them a break for having people on the show that aren't quite like the the highest skill level because not everybody in the world wanted to be a UFC fighter at this point. This is, the you know, the evolution of the sport. Like right now, you know, you fast forward, you know, I think the show was, was, was filmed around 2001, 2002. You fast forward to 2021, you know, about 20 years later. 
Um, there's a lot more people that want to be MMA fighters now. There's a lot more fierce competition, uh, especially because the pay is starting to increase a little bit. It's, it's a much more established sport now. There's a lot more competition now than there was 10, 15 years ago in MMA. So I'm going to cut the UFC a break for having guys on the show that aren't quite the highest skill level. So it's okay. It's the first season. I'll cut them a break. Uh, So, you know, Diego followed the the game plan. He took him down, which is what Liddell told him to do. Randy breaks down how Alex is lacking skills on the ground. He's digging for an underhook with the wrong arm, trapping himself underneath. Uh, Randy gives him a good uh, motivational speech after Alex leaves. Uh, Alex keeps a positive attitude and says he'll be be back. Uh, my ultimate thoughts on the fight was that Alex lacked experience and was outclassed. Uh, Alex said he had only been training for a year and a half. Uh, his record is about 4-0, and uh, Diego's record was 12-0. So, you know, Diego literally had three times as many fights as Alex had. Um, you know, I think Alex was going to say many times... So, yeah, he probably had about three times as much experience in grappling. It really takes solid years of training to develop skills. He should just keep training and get better. So that's the other thing, too. You can't really develop, you know, grappling skills overnight. You have to really um, train for a very long time in grappling to get good at grappling. Uh, You're not going to submit a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu if you've only been training for like a year. It's just not going to happen unless you, you know, caught the guy with a really powerful punch and he's already, you know, knocked out pretty much. It's not going to happen. Uh, you have to. That's the thing about grappling. It's a little bit different to to boxing. You can develop some really solid boxing skills in maybe two or three years if you're athletic, and you're just naturally skilled at boxing. You're not going to develop, um, you know, those type of skills in in, in in grappling like that. It's just it, it takes a very long time. You know, a college wrestler is almost always going to be a better wrestler than um, somebody who's never wrestled in college. This is how it works. It takes a lot of time to develop these grappling skills. Every once in a while, you'll see an outlier. Uh, you know, George St. Pierre was an incredible wrestler. He ended up beating Matt Hughes, who's a you know much higher wrestler. You know, you know Matt Hughes wrestled in college. George St. Pierre never wrestled in college. But the thing is, George St. Pierre trained with Olympic wrestlers. He really went out of his way to improve his wrestling. He worked with the highest level wrestlers that there were. So, um, you know, there are a few exceptions, but you have to really be extremely competitive to get good at wrestling when you're facing someone who's a better wrestler. And the same thing applies with jujitsu, like in this situation. So, you know, Alex just needs to go back to the drawing board and work on his grappling skills and hopefully he'll come back stronger.